Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm joined again today by BA Insights Chief Customer Officer Sean Coleman. Welcome back, Sean. Glad to be here, Pete. You are here to share the story of another of our global pharmaceutical partners. We started this conversation last week talking about some of the decisions that went in to uh, to going ultimately with a SharePoint uh, search experience. Today, uh, we're going to talk a, a little bit more detail about that implementation. Uh, now, you had teased last week about their, uh, really, their bullishness on the cloud. Uh, let's start off with a little bit of a conversation about their hosting options. What was very important, you know, strate- what we talked about last time, or strategic direction for this company was, you know, we're going to do, you know, we're going to be cloud first and everything that we can. Uh, and so, you know, when when looking at it, they ultimately selected SharePoint 2016 for their platform. Uh, you know, they have content in Office 365 and SharePoint Online. So what was key was having an integration there. Uh, Be Insights Connector Framework took care of that for them. So it was almost, you know, check the box. We don't need to worry about that. Uh, but they really wanted from a platform perspective, they didn't want, you know, they're not in the hardware business, right? They don't they don't want to do a whole bunch of hardware and have to do data centers and everything. So so they looked a lot at, do we put this behind our firewall? We don't necessarily want to do that. We've got some parts of SharePoint online, but but we want a very specific and, and full control of our end user experience. And so while long-term they're thinking, Let's move everything into Office 365, SharePoint Online, and run it all there. Uh, there's some things of SharePoint Online that aren't quite there yet. Microsoft knows that. We know that, right? And we advise them, hey, SharePoint 2016 is probably your right platform, um, at least for the next three to five years, and then SharePoint Online after that. So they knew they had you know, a roadmap to the cloud. So what do they do in the, in the, in the interim? Uh, and ultimately we looked at, you know, from a, from a hosting perspective, Amazon web services, and that's what they, that's what they decided using. So Amazon web services for their, for their infrastructure and their networking, um, looking at things like auto scaling and a lot of the benefits that come with that. And then just the ability to, you know, replicate, uh, data, encrypted data, a lot of the really great things that Amazon just kind of takes care of for you. They ultimately decided on and, and, and there's a, lot of flexibility, right? So certain things, you know, as we're going through the implementation and you realize, hey, we're going to build an environment like this. uh, And then someone comes along and says, hey, from a security perspective, we need encryption at rest, you know, all the different things that are important for pharmaceutical companies. Uh, In the past, you know, that may have been going back to your internal infrastructure team, changing that around. We're able to make those changes for them in an Amazon environment uh, literally in hours when things in the past would have taken days or weeks. Uh, so they're already seeing benefit even in implementation of the flexibility of a platform like that. You know, I, I've got to take just a step back, if if not uh, for you know the benefit of our listeners who who haven't heard the last conversation that you and I had way back in the day, uh, SEO inside your firewall. Much of that conversation that we had on episode four was around how you help organizations make the uh, make the leap to uh, more of a cloud based infrastructure to be bullish yourself on on you know going all in in the cloud. It strikes me, given the complexities of life sciences and the regulatory environment, that the cloud might be a scary direction to roadmap. Uh, how did they get past that? Yeah, I think I think they definitely had some very forward thinking from their from their infrastructure and security team. I mean, they're, they're very concerned about the security aspect of it. Uh, and that was a big conversation throughout, right? Especially since they're global. Uh, and you look at things that they wanted to do, right? If you, you just think about it, right? You, you go, okay, well, what we want to do is we want to be personalized and we want to provide a specific 
search experience for these particular users. And then you go to you know the the Federated Russian states and find out that it's actually illegal to store anything about the person outside of that source country. And you go, okay, well if we can't store anything about them, how are we going to personalize to them? Uh, you know, so it's kind of these things kind of come into flick into conflict quickly. So they're they're very on top of their security requirements, uh, and I think they do their due diligence. But if you find out from the aspect of a company like Amazon or even Microsoft in Office 365, the capability that those companies have from a security and infrastructure perspective kind of pales in comparisons to even what some of the larger multinational companies can do. Right, you're a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company, your business is innovating drugs, right? Microsoft, Amazon, their business is securing networks. Uh, so let's, you know, I think they came to the realization of let's let the experts be the experts, uh, do our technical due diligence, make sure that they're dotting their I's and, and, and crossing their T's like they are. And they're getting, you know, Microsoft and others and Amazon are getting the certifications they need. Uh, and as long as, you know, we're able to send our auditors that way and get our questions answered, then we're, we're comfortable as that platform. And I think once they got their arms around that, then they started seeing the benefit of, from a scalability perspective and a cost perspective, we just you know kind of opened a lot of doors for our organization that makes us kind of more you know lean, efficient, faster, able to do things quicker, and that speaks to what what we're doing here. I mean, we started with this company in a March April timeframe. In the last podcast, we talked about the proof of concept that was going on you know midsummer, uh, and then they went into implementation and and their their goal when they started was. We want to deliver something to our business users before the end of the year, and they're on track to do that. So if you think from a big company like that, as fast they, as slow as they can move, that they were able to do all of that and deliver a viable product before the end of the year, and, and you know, in a you know four or five months uh, time frame, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And I think the cloud technologies have have played a big part in that. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the specific systems. Now, you already uh, mentioned Office 365. Uh, how did that play into the architecture? I know you mentioned, obviously, they, uh, Microsoft knows there are some issues uh, so far, and, and you put it out at about three to five years. What? Uh, how did that decision ultimately come about? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of things. I mean, from a O365 perspective, we find uh, from an email perspective, Pretty much everybody, or I would say pretty much everybody, a vast majority of companies are using that for email. Uh, so, so you have your email there, document storage, team sites, things that SharePoint does really, really well already work great in O365. So a lot of content was being stored in the SharePoint Online environment. Uh, now, from a search perspective, that's where they need a little bit of work. Microsoft's probably definitely inside of that three to five year time frame that I was talking about, that's just more for our customer here uh, because you don't want change fatigue, right? We could, they're sure. likely more a year out. They could, they could solve some of these problems and Microsoft's down that path. But, but from a, from an infrastructure perspective, there was lots of content in office 365 that needed to be searched. They had content in systems like Viva Vault, which is big in pharmaceuticals. Uh, cl- that's another cloud vendor that's storing a lot of content and providing a lot of capability. So they needed that brought in. They had Documentum uh, as another content source, uh, Box.com, um, where they're where they're storing and collaborating, and then internal file shares and things like that. So they were they were reaching to different systems internally: Office 365 and the Microsoft platform, Viva Vault and their platform, Documentum, which was hosted in different places. So they had content really spread across all these technologies. And and one of the great things that you know I'd say being Insight brought to the table was 
all of the connections to the system was handled kind of through the same process in our connector technology. You know, all of the security that was applied, we're respecting all that almost out of the box. So when you think about, you know, if you start a search uh, project and you have to really think about all those all those different systems and all the different security models and all the different communications, you could get bogged down for months in just that. And our technology was able to just say, look, we check that box. It's just configuration. That's simple stuff. Let's get to the next level of thinking and really get something that you're, you, you know, not just can they find the data, but do they really love the experience and they're really getting great results. So I think that was one kind of leapfrog them from a time period when they were able to just, yes, we're bringing in all those, uh, all those different uh, technologies. The security is all going to work. The content's all going to be there. And, and that was just ca- almost like a minor part of it. When you think about it, it's a huge deal, but it was able in this project to be a minor part because it was just kind of just taken care of. Uh, what implementation approach do they follow to get all this done? We started talking about the the proof of concept last week. Uh, what gets them from there to where we are today? Yeah, the the big I think they're they're in what uh, an agile shop. Um, so from the agile methodology, uh, being able to take uh, all of the uh, the con all of the the user stories that we wanted to implement, breaking them down into manageable sprints. We worked a a two week sprint cycle. Uh, and that we kept all of the business users, the real stakeholders, you know, involved in that process. So it's so it's an iterative, agile sprint process, keeping the business users involved, keeping people at the table, daily standups, you know, things where where the communication is just open back and forth, allowed us to make rapid progress show that progress to the business users, get feedback and factor that in to future sprints. So one of the big things that we had to avoid knowing that we had this kind of end of year target that we really wanted, you know, just pretty much had to hit was we can't go off into a closet, come back in three months and go, look what we built for you, right? What if you missed? (laughs) What if it wasn't exactly what they want? So that, 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 interaction with the business and interaction with the stakeholders and showing them the iterative progress that was being made and getting feedback and factoring it in to that agile process, I think really protected that and made it so that the, the team both gelled, uh, gelled really well together uh, and were able to um, show and get feedback and really improve kind of constant improvement uh, throughout the process, which I think really, really factored into the success of it. Is BA Inside an agile shop too? We will we'll actually work with whatever way customers want to. I prefer the agile methodology myself. We do have some customers out there that are a waterfall, but we're we're pretty flexible. Um, you know, depending on that. But but a lot of times, if you say, hey, what's the best way to do this? Agile is the way we're going to try to take it. From the project management perspective, this is a a, a large company and a, a big, hairy, audacious project. How did they end up uh, going about managing timeline, cost, uh, scope? Were there concerns or considerations along the way? Yeah, I think I think there were. I mean, they had. You know, you, you always have the kind of the the three legs of the triangle, right? The the scope or quality, cost, timeline. Uh, timeline's one that we all said at the front that that one's not moving. Right, we're hitting a December go live date. Right, so uh, we manage with the other two. We manage with scope quality. We we manage with cost. So you know, knowing upfront, uh, do we have the ability to bring in additional resources? And so that was a conversation of you know they were very open of okay, here's our timelines. Can we put another person on that? Can we bring in other people on this? Can can this group help this other group out? So we were we were very cognizant of resourcing and costs associated with that, knowing that you know if you know things are always going to come up and things are always going to be you're going to see something that that is exactly like what you thought you wanted, and then realize that's not exactly what we think our end users do. So we can adjust to that, and and I think they managed that really well. 
scope and quality, certainly, you know, test early, test often um, so that we can manage that, that, that scope and quality, but then also be able to recognize that um, the entire process is iterative. So when you come in December and go live, we're going live with a certain group of users. Uh, we're not done, right? We've got a period after that. We've got follow-on phases. So really deciding, you know, from a from an, what we call MVP or minimum viable product, uh, what really is in that? And and honestly, it it changes, right? So certain times when uh, when you get to the point of this is we think this is very important, uh, and then you judge that against other things, you go, you know what? That's not as important as this other thing. So having a, that open and clear conversation, and and I would say really great project management resources on on all groups, right? So there was there was multiple groups involved. Be inside the customer. Uh, they have another third party vendor they use for IT. Each one of those groups brought, you know, I, I would say, very capable project management resources uh, to the mix that were in constant communication and talking about this and just keeping on top of it and managing to those three. Uh, the, the right decisions were made, and ultimately the timeline in itself was protected. And uh, you know, the next project that may be more about, well, this is a, you know, this is a cost-driven project or this is a scope-driven project. Well, this one, this one was timeline-driven. Uh, but still wanting to deliver something that was very valuable. And I think, you know, in that management process, they, they ultimately got to exactly what they wanted. Now, again, this is part two of an ongoing conversation that we're having about this. Now, I, I understand we're going to come back around to Elastic next week. Uh, can you tease that a little bit? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and, and knowing that we talked that they they looked at Elastic early on, um, they uh, ultimately went with SharePoint, but but with the option to then, you know, ultimately be able to use Elastic. I think, you know, it's probably a podcast into itself to say, well, well, what made that decision and what were the benefits of Elastic and how is it being used? Because Elastic is still uh, in the environment, right? It's being used for one of the B Insight products that we use, our smart analytics. We'll talk a little bit about that next time, but also in, you know, what things does it bring to the table, um, you know, that, that maybe SharePoint can't and what things would you want to look at? I mean, there's, you know, just to tease a little bit, there's other groups in pharmaceutical, in, in life sciences that already use it for, for just, you know, kind of mass, you know, big data analysis. And then how do you, how do you kind of meld that into some of the really personalized stuff you're doing? Uh, and that's, that's what we'll talk about and some of the stuff they looked at, but, but exciting stuff when, when you take what Elastic can do and with what SharePoint can do from its platform perspective and, and see how they can be melded together. That's going to be an interesting bit of insight coming out of that conversation. How did Elasticsearch come to be a part of this solution landscape? Thank you so much, uh, Sean Coleman, for joining us today uh, and continuing this conversation. Yep, happy to do it. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening. Don't forget, head over to BAInsight.com. You can learn more about BA Insight's work in life sciences and uh, subscribe to this show for free. We'd love to have you as a regular listener. Thanks for your time and attention, everybody, and uh, we'll join you next week on Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight.